God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that uh, it's because of your, because of what you've done, it's because of your character, it's because of who you are. God, that we can be brave. And we don't have to fear anymore. Lord, it's something that you're asking us to partake in. It's something that you're asking us to step into. It's there. The door is open this morning. Lord, you're just asking us to step through. You're asking us to get on the other side of the threshold this morning. And as we heard last week, Lord, you said take courage. When we take courage, we can be brave. And there's, we don't have to think about the other stuff. We just don't. So this morning, Lord, as we step into this, this time of hearing your word, God, I, I pray that we can be brave enough to let it hit our heart to change our heart. But this morning, that we're not, we're not callous, we're not resistant, we're not putting up walls, but Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are just going to experience you this morning. We're going to experience the Spirit. So Lord, we love you, we thank you, we need you here. Spirit, be here. We want to know what you want to do with us this morning. And we're expecting to on that. So thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for your care. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So for whatever reason, I keep forgetting the podium when I'm supposed to preach. So my dad, you know, he always has the clear thing. It looks great and sweet. Well, you know what? I always forget to bring it when I'm the one who's supposed to be up here. So I hope everybody, hope everybody's doing alright. Does everyone have a bulletin on? Yeah. If you do, awesome. If you don't, maybe there's Jerry. Maybe you can pass them out. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. Jerry will get that to you. Here's here's what I want you to do. Let me see that. Right on the back there, where it says what remains. Don't underline it, but like right above. Haggai 268 just put a line under there because we're going to write something in there at the end of the message um, it might actually be halfway through the message but it's kind of what remains question mark then there's an answer um, so I just want you guys to be ready for that basically when I was giving um, our staff the, the title of the message a couple of days later I was like oh, oh, I don't want that to be the title so what we're going to write in there after that, it, it flows with everything, but it's, uh, it's actually going to be something different. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just jump right into it this morning. If you got your word with you, open up with me to Haggai 2. Uh, the next set of scripture is verses 6, 7, and 8, and that's, that's kind of our text for today. Now the cross-reference for today is Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 25-29. So what we're going to do, we're just going to hit it heavy in the Word today. We're going to go to Haggai, then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 17, then we're going to go to uh, Romans 8, 15, 16, and 17, and then jump up to verse 11. And you, you don't have to turn over to those, those middle two. I'm just going to read them if you want to, that's great. Um, but what I love about this message this morning is I don't have to do a whole lot. I don't, which is great. And you know what, that's the way it should be. Because when you preach the Word, the Word is what cuts through flesh. The word is what cuts right into your heart. So we're bringing the word this morning. Amen? So yeah, yeah. That's what I'm 
need y'all to talk to me this morning. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right, so let's just read through um, Haggai 2, 6 through 8, and just see what it's saying. Then we're going to jump into some stuff. So, verse 6, chapter 2 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dragon. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Now we're going to stop right there. I could very easily jump down more, 9, 10, 11, break some more of that stuff off and kind of put it into this message. But there is so much in those three scriptures. that What this is really, really saying is... He, for thus says the Lord, the, the verse above that, he, he says, As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in you. In your midst. Do not fear. So the very next verse, he's just taking a breath. He's, alright, here, next thing. For thus says the Lord. Once more in a little while, basically meaning that what he's about to do, he's already done it before. Now, he's speaking to the Jews. The Jews are the people who he brought up out of Egypt. So there's something that's about to happen again on a greater magnitude that was different than what it was before. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. He has done that previously. But he's communicating to his people that, look, the way this shaking is going to happen is not going to happen under this old covenant. One of the things that I put out to you guys two weeks ago is that the old temple represents the old covenant. The new temple represents Jesus Christ, the new covenant. See, he's doing a new thing. He's about to shake things up, but he's going to do it in a different way. And he goes through saying he's going to shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, also the dry land, and the nations. There's five things there. You see on Mount Sinai when the Lord shook that mountain, when Moses was up there and he gave him the Ten Commandments. That's what he did. But again, the shaking, when Jesus comes, is about to be something totally different. What did he do when he took the people up out of Egypt? He shook the sea and the sea parted so his people could walk through. Now while they were in the wilderness, he shook the dry ground by hitting that rock to, to uh, how would you say, water? It sounds weird to say water, people. But to water 2.5 million people, he hit the rock and that water came forth. So there's, there's, there's all kinds of examples where he did all of these things. Shook the heavens and shook the earth. Then he says, I'm going to shake the nations. Now the nations is every government, every man, woman, and child, every mindset, everything that has raised itself up against the knowledge of God. But you know what else? Because it says he's going to shake the heavens as well. It's every believer. It's everything that we do that is churchy. Let me say that. Let me put that out here. Church. We don't do church here. We read the word and then we respond. Amen. I cannot. Okay. I have to be careful when I say this. I can't stand church things. Coming to church. Everybody sit in the same direction. And listening to um, any given Sunday. A, a dark guy. A darker guy up here. Um, one has hair, one doesn't. You know what I'm saying? All of that, you know, the, the worship, the music, there's nowhere in the word that it says, look, you have to sing two songs, take a break, sing two more songs, listen to somebody speak, respond, and then get out of here. 
We have structure, hallelujah. We're not dancing around with snakes, you know what I'm saying? We gotta have structure, but that's not church. Ladies and gentlemen, you sitting in those seats, every single person with a heart and a heartbeat and blood running through your veins, you are the church. So if you if, if we're gonna do church, if we're even gonna use that phrase, it's relationship. It's looking at each other, it's connecting with each other. So he's even gonna shake that. Alright? Love it. Come on with the church. Come on now. Speak to brother. Uh, where am I at here? It's just getting into the wrong chapter. I gotta stop hitting stuff. These gadgets. I just need the, the Bible up here. Alright. So, the next set of scripture. Um, the next verse. He says, So, um, after the nations, and I will fill this house with glory says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Basically what he's just saying there is there, there's nothing you can do to build this temple like it was the last to fill it with any glory that is close to what I'm about to fill this thing with. You can't do that. So how does that relate to us? There's no amount of time you can spend in the gym. There's no amount of time you can spend in front of the beer. There's no amount of time that you can sit down in front of your QuickBook, checkbook, whatever, and make your finances straight. Anything in your life, there's nothing that you can do that will bring glory to Christ or to God or to this temple other than Jesus himself. That's it. So what does that mean? It, it, it doesn't mean stop doing those things. Please continue to take care of yourself. There are things in the word that talk about your body being a temple. You need to take care of that. Right? You need to be a good steward of it. But what the Lord is saying is that you can't give this temple glory. That's my job. So let it be my job. Let the glory that comes out of you be Christ's job and not your job. Amen? Alright. So we got that. You guys trucking with me? That's just that's just the next set of scripture. Um, if I was to quickly comment on the silver is mine and the gold is mine. You know what? The gold that was found a hundred years ago in the mountain up around the way down the pass through the woods grandmother's house. That's his. The gold or the silver or the stone, whatever it is that is going to be found in 20 years, it's still his. Everything that is on, every element, every mineral, every element that's on the periodic table, however many, is there a hundred and something? I'm looking at you, the chemical engineer, come on now. Help me out. So, all of that stuff, sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. All of that stuff is his. That's basically what that scripture is saying. All of it. No matter what you're looking at, the money that you have now, the money that you don't have, it's still his. So it, 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 this is repositioning our perspective on this stuff yet again. Alright? Now here's what I want to I make this statement to you guys this morning. Leave with this. This drives everything. You are a resident of the kingdom of heaven. Who? Come on now. You're a resident of the kingdom of heaven. Now... If, if I think about that, what's this word residency mean? Well, what makes me a resident of the United States? Well, you know what we're trying to do with Bill Knox? The guy who came up here a couple Sundays in a row, um, giving words and all that business? He's a resident of Ireland. We're trying to get him residency in the United States, which is like the hardest process ever. It's ridiculous. So I think about myself and I'm like, well, what made it so easy for me to become a resident of the United States? Well, one thing is by birth. I am every bit my mom and my dad's son. And that means something. It means that if I was on the other side of the earth, meaning that I was 
furthest away from them that I possibly could. Didn't talk to them ever. You know, mad at them because my dad didn't teach me how to tie my shoes or something, whatever. Stupid stuff. Um, Stupid stuff. He would still be my dad, and I would still be what? An heir to what he has. When when they pass away, I'm going to take on their stuff. Just all their stuff. It, it falls to me. It falls to me and my sister. Um, the debt, the, the money, the cars, the house, all of that stuff. And that's by birth. It's by birth that that happens. All right? The easiest way to gain residency is by birth. So hang on to that. Hang on to that. To where I'm going with this? After, after I get through this, we're gonna jump into Haggai, but the, or excuse me, uh, Hebrews 12. But the two scriptures that I said I wanted to hit: Second Corinthians 5:17. Turn over to that real quick. Now, the definition of residency is this: it's the fact of living in a place. Seems simple. That's just the Webster definition. The fact of living in a place. Okay, well, what does the word fact mean? It means a thing that is indisputable. I hope I said that word right. It is a thing that is indisputable in its case. That's what facts are. Alright, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the facts about what Christ says about us this morning. Amen? We're going to look at the facts about the things that are indisputably true about you. See, these are things that have nothing to do with how you feel. These are things that have nothing to do with what you say to yourself about you. Two weeks ago, I I, I used an, an objective statement saying that the Lord speaks to you according to who you are. And then I asked you a question. I said, why don't you speak to you according to who you are? We're going to look at the indisputable truth about who you are. Amen? Now see, the reason why this, this message is easy is because it's all, it's all script. I'm just, hey guys, this is just a scripture. I'm just trying to effectively put it out there for you. You don't have to agree or disagree with me. Because this is, this is the truth. And it's indisputable. So turn to 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm just going to read verse 17. And I love this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, basically saying, if you have received Christ into your life, if you have salvation, you're at a point in your life where you said, look, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I need you to be in here. And you accepted him into your heart as your Lord and personal Savior. He is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, this is the truth of the word of God, ladies and gentlemen. That's indisputable. When you step into a relationship with Christ, what comes after that is that the old stuff is gone. It's gone. Hey, guess what? It's gone. And the new is what comes. Okay? You know what that says to me? That that's a birth. You've been reborn. Now what are we talking about with residency? You, you, the, the easiest way to gain residency is to be born into something, Right? So when I say to you that you are a resident of the kingdom of God, you were born into that the moment that you accepted Christ in your life. Amen? Receive that this morning. Receive it, because that's the truth. Whether you agree with it based on what you did last night has nothing to do with anything this morning. This was true before you were born. And it will be true when you die. Hallelujah. So let's... 
Let's look at some more of this. Turn over to uh, Romans 8. This is more truth. And I just want to encourage you guys with this with this stuff this morning. This is going to totally and completely set up Hebrews 12, 25 through 29. But flip over to Romans 8. And we're going to start in verse 15. You know, I was talking about my dad and the fact that I am his heir simply by birth. Okay, well, we've communicated through Second Corinthians that there's a there's a rebirth. You guys have been born into something. Now, verse 15 says this. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. What was verse five in Haggai? He said, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. All right. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. As sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. If you have ever doubted whether you are a child of Christ, Romans 8:15, read it. That is the indisputable truth this morning. That as you receive Christ into your life, you become a child, you are adopted into his family and you are now his child, which means <laughs> I'll try to moonwalk there, but it's carpet and I probably fall over. Which means verse 16. And if children Heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified in him. Guys, that is, you, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> it's right there. You are a child of God. Do not let your mind tell you anything different. Because the truth of the matter is, is that you are. Now walk in it. Let me speak to you according to who you are this morning. You're a child of God. The indisputable facts are that you are a child of God and heirs, and therefore, by birth, again, you are a resident of the kingdom of the living God. That's where you reside. Now, what happens when we talk about this residency? Or the fact that I claim that I'm from the United States. We can put it into a military term. That you... Go overseas and you represent the United States. Now what would it look like to refuse that residency? It's, it's like pulling the flag off the pole, putting some lighter fluid on it, gasoline, lighting that thing up, spitting on it, stamping on it. Man, you, the government's gonna come after you. <laughs> that is like, hey, you've betrayed your country to the fullest. Alright, now let's, where we're at right here, jump into Hebrews. Hebrews is the cross-reference to Haggai 2, 6-8. through 8. And I've, I'm, I tried to get through that as super quick as I can so that we could get to this part of the scripture. Because this is, this is what the Lord is, is doing with us. And it's specific to one thing. It's specific to a shaking. The Lord is about stirring up. And he is about shaking things. But when you think of those two words, you can kind of say, oh, well, that's, that, I mean, it, it, I'm agitated. Those things are not good things. It, things that are settled become unsettled. Well, the Lord's trying to change our perspective on what that means. 
Alright, so after we just got done talking about all that stuff, the fact that you are a resident of the kingdom of God, which should change your confidence when you walk into a place. Alright, the very first thing is what? That he says. Now this, let me, let me just say that this set of scripture is the only place in the New Testament where Haggai 2, I think it's verse 7, 6 and 7 at least, is referenced. This is the only place that you'll find this. He says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Two weeks ago I said the same thing. The Lord's trying to speak to you. He's speaking right now. And the, the, the question is, are you, are you, do you have your ear tuned to the fact where you even want to hear or listen? Whatever, whatever value you put on either of those words, some people think hearing is different than listening, listening different than hearing, whatever. Do not refuse him who is speaking. That's a big H. So he's talking about God. The people, the Jews, refused him. That's what sent him into exile. Alright, so he's saying this, look, don't refuse him. So I'm, I'm saying to you guys this morning, what would it look like if me knowing that I'm a resident of the kingdom, walk up to the Lord in, in, in the things that I'm doing and the way that I'm living my life, I refuse him. That's like saying, you know what, Lord, you look him straight in the eye and you say, Lord, the way you made me wasn't enough. What you put in me wasn't enough. And then you slap him in the face and you walk the other way. This part of this verse convicted me so much that there are uh, portions of my life where I flat out refuse him. I do. I slap our father in the face. I'm just saying this morning, ladies and gentlemen, let's not do that. Let's step into just receiving what it is that he has for us this morning. And then he says he... He says, just read it from right here. For if those did not escape when they refused him, when they, when they refused him who warned them on earth, basically the prophets, the people that the Lord sent, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Look, you, you can't escape it. You just can't do it. There's, there's nothing you can do to get yourself out of the purpose that the Lord has put on your life. <laughs> Some of you guys in this room understand how God calls you and pulls you out of your stuff and sits you right where he needs you to be and we kind of fall back into that and then it's this pulling you out again and it's sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's not, but nonetheless, you cannot escape it. You just can't do it. So the next set of the verse, can we, yeah, there we go. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised saying, and this is the interpretation of Haggai 2, 6, 7, and 8. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Let's go to 27. And he explains himself. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken. As of created things. So that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. What remains? Remember what I, what I told you to do with your, uh, your handout? What remains? There's that question. Ladies and gentlemen, what remains is the unshakable kingdom of God. Write that underneath there. 
What remains is the unshakable kingdom of God. And if I am a resident of the unshakable kingdom of God, what does that mean for me? It means that when the Lord shakes my life, those things which I have created that can be shaken, they fall away. Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes it it, it doesn't. But you know what? Nonetheless, it's freeing. There's freedom in it. The Lord wants to do that this morning. He's been doing it for the past month. I'm sorry, I'm like right on the verge of just losing it right now. I don't know what this is. (laughs) But he says those things that which, the things which cannot be shaken may remain. When he shakes you, it's not because he's mad at you. It's because he's mad about you. And what he wants is for everything that you have built up against the knowledge of Christ in your life will fall off and you will be a picture of the unshakable kingdom of Christ. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to establish something in you. He's trying to establish something through you. Go to verse 28. Therefore, since we receive, receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. We sang a song last week called Fire. It's one that I wrote that I have. It just came. And you know what? Honestly, I think it came from this. Um, I can't even remember the lyrics now. But something along the lines of fire, burn away all the things that I have put in the way. And then after that, it says from the ash. What that means is that when you're down there in, in the lowest of the lows, what the Lord does is from the ash, He rises in us. We don't rise in us. He does. This shaking is specific to the Lord establishing in you His kingdom. This is specific to the Lord establishing through you, through you, His kingdom. So where you are in your life right now, work, emotionally, it doesn't matter what it is. The Lord is shaking this church. He's shaking this city so that what he has established will remain. So when the Lord does something to you, don't don't beat yourself up because you feel like, oh, man, I'm going through it today. I'm going through it right now. No. What is supposed to remain is an acceptable service. What that means is that all you want to do at the end of this shaking is serve the Lord. Is respond to his word. Is respond to what it is that he's asking you to do. That's it. Because the spirit will consume you. And you can't escape it. Amen. So let's turn back over to Haggai 2 and reread this. And and, and through this lens, through understanding the cross reference, the scriptures um, that that speak to us, the truth about us. Let's reread this and and see how we, we see it different. For thus says the Lord of hosts, again, he's just taking a breath. Once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens, the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. Let's go back to, yeah, there you go. No, sorry, seven, sorry. This is, I will shake all of the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with the glory, says the Lord. Now stay on this verse right here. That word wealth, what we think about when we, when we read that word is money and possessions and, you know, diamond rings and chains and all that, you know, good clothes, good stuff. It's all materialistic. 
but the, the Greek word for that is chemda, C-H-E-M-D-A. I think I spelled that right. But the, the, the translation of that word is desire. So I will shake all the nations and they will come with the desire of all the nations. Now when the Lord shakes you and he takes you from all of these things that you have set up in your life that are comfortable, that you think that you need close to yourself to support you. Everybody in here, guys, as, I, as those words come out of my mouth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because they're things that don't give you life. There's things that, they're things that rob you of you. As I'm speaking, the Lord is stirring up in you the fact that he's saying, look, I want to shake those things loose. So that what remains is my kingdom. But if he is going to shake the desires of the nations, everything that we desire that isn't Christ is going to fall away. Now, other translations of this word in scripture, there's 20 or 30 of them. The context of that word wealth is used in conjunction with treasures. With things that have to do with money. Things that have to do with clothes. So what he first says is, when I shake the nations, your desire for me is going to come first. But guess what after that? You're going to desire to give me everything that you possibly can, even your possessions. Now I believe that this this word is for Eosis. This These scriptures are for Eosis that in the time that we are right now, the Lord is saying to us, he's going to shake the nations of Fort Collins. He's going to shake the people who got money. I'm just going to say it. But he's going to shake them through the word. He's going to shake them through the spirit. And they're going to they're going to want to give because Christ put it in them to give. Amen. Hmm. Come on, Jesus. Come on now. So let's go to the next verse. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Huh. He didn't use silver and gold to establish you, ladies and gentlemen. He used his the blood of the lamb. He used his son. So the silver and the gold, what he's saying to you guys this morning, what he's saying to us, to me this morning, don't even think about that. It's all mine. Let me take care of it. Let me take care of you. So you guys trucking with me this morning on that? If you walk out of here with anything this morning, you are a resident You reside in the kingdom of the living God. And it is because of that that when you get shaken, you're not all over the place. You're hanging on to something. The kingdom of heaven is what anchors you. So when you get tossed here and there by every wave and every doctrine and every mindset and every thought, opinions are good, but not every opinion needs to be listened to. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Heard that off of a show the other day. It's like preaching material right there. We're going to do it. You just don't get shaken anymore. Because, it, and if you do get shaken, it's, it's a heavenly, uh, supernatural shaking so that everything else falls away and the kingdom is established. The Lord is trying to establish his kingdom in you this morning. He's trying to establish his kingdom in the however you want to call it, the marketplace, wherever you are, school, football, uh, your work, it, it doesn't matter. That's that's your purpose, to establish his kingdom. Amen? So let me have the worship team come back up here.
and uh, get prepared for our offering. Yeah, that was, uh, man. I'm sorry that I kind of looked like I was blubbering and wiping my nose and they're just, but I, I want so much for you guys this morning to understand where you come from. The fact that you, you, when you understand where you come from and who's in you, who resides in you, the spirit resides in you, makes his home in you, you don't have to fear, take courage, because the spirit of by, is abiding in your midst, and don't fear. And then he takes a breath and just says, for thus says the Lord, I'm about to shake things up. But let's understand what this shaking means. The shaking means that all I'm trying to do is let the things that have been that, that you have established, the created things, I want all those to fall away. And that's okay. It's okay. Let it happen. Stop trying to hold all this stuff up and spin 18 different plates at one time. He's just saying, relax. Relax. Because what will remain is what I have established. Because you are a resident of the unshakable kingdom. Of the living God. So let's uh, come up with that.